Hello, uh, welcome back to the 3am podcast. My name is Jess, this is the, <laughs> the 3am podcast, otherwise, I don't know, what are we all doing here really? Hey, fun facts, I actually found out that majority of the listeners are from the States, not just the States, but majority of the listeners are from California, so that is outrageous, because as much as I joke about how like no one listens to this podcast... In the grand scheme of things, no one listens to this podcast, but it's enough that I figured it would just be people that I knew personally, um, or like worked with, or had friendships with, or whatever. But no, I looked at the demographics, and majority of you are from the states. So thank you, and also wow. <laughs> um. Anyway, so this podcast uh this episode rather is um very I have I said I'm Jess I think I have but if I haven't my name is Jess um and the 3am podcast is basically a podcast where it's just like a conversation that you'd have at 3am after a party um any of the stragglers that are left behind just having a little bit of a chin wag and a yarn that's this podcast but it's recorded so this episode this is actually the second intro that I've um, recorded the first intro I recorded before this episode, but I feel like this episode um, deserves <laughs> a tailored intro. This is fucking weird. Like I'll be honest with you, this is a weird fucking episode. Um, but like good, but this is the kind of like if you're listening to this and you're getting ready for work, like don't. It's gonna put you in a weird vibe. Um, listen to this on the weekends, maybe when you've had like a cider or something, and you're sitting in a blanket and you're cozy. You got some candles going, but you also like. Not only do you have candles going, you've also got, like, what's a really abrasive energy? You've got like. I don't know, the Veronica's playing really loud, which you shouldn't, by the way. That's not music that you should blast to the top of, um, you know, I was going to say your lungs, but you're not screaming it. But maybe you are. You know what? Let's start this again. This is a weird episode. Um, so basically, I am talking to uh, the flatmate of one of my friends um, who I'd never spoken to before, ever. Um, and it very quickly turned into... A free therapy session um I say that like it's a bonus um but I think what might have happened is I've just inflicted you know years of irreversible psychological trauma on a stranger and I really apologize because he's a very nice guy um but yeah basically what you're going to hear is <laughs> two complete strangers having a conversation with no context or predetermined reasoning why like I assure you there was no context other than uh, my friend was basically like hey you guys are super similar um and you talk about stuff in a similar way you should have a yarn and I was like sweet let's do it and then it happened so that's the context um a little bit of a pre-disclaimer because this is the second intro that I'm recording um, the first intro gave um, a little bit of an overview. Now, I'm very conscious of, I suppose, how I talk about this because even my, um, it's a very, I suppose, highly emotionally um, charged subject. But I'm from New Zealand. I'm currently living in Australia, but I am from New Zealand. Um, and two weeks before recording this, um, almost two weeks, 
New Zealand, um, more specifically the Muslim community of Christchurch, um, were victims of um, a terrorist attack of proportions that New Zealand could never have ever, um, you know, said were expected. I don't even know if that sentence made sense, but as much as, you know, there's, there are undercurrents and whatnot, and okay, it might not be correct to say, quote-unquote, this isn't us, um, it's definitely not something that New Zealand's ever experienced before. Um, now, this isn't something that I'm, I'm going to go into in depth, and in this episode we, we touch on it, um, but we don't go into all the different sides, and the reason why I kind of note that is because um, you know, I really respect, I suppose, the all the different nuances and all the different sides, uh, not different sides, there's one side, and the side is, is that a terrorist came in and violently disrupted and attacked um, a community because of his ill-placed negative misconceptions. Um, that's the side. But when I say different sides, it's different sides to people feeling grief. You know, there's there's the country feeling grief, but there's also the Muslim community feeling grief. There's the Christchurch community feeling grief. There's, you know, specifically those that had friends and loved ones. And I'm just aware of the responsibility it would be to kind of try and act like a, an authority um, when I'm speaking about those things. And maybe that is a bit of a scapegoatish way to look at it, but that's definitely not my intention behind it. So, um yeah, just a just a heads up that yes, that's a, a really big event um that has happened and, and maybe it should be something I should have talked about and maybe I'll listen back to this in the future and go, Well, Jessie really should have but right now it just doesn't feel right to kind of go into details and talk to it. Um the one thing I will say is thank fuck for just Ardern. Um but yeah, other than that Let's now move to this conversation with a stranger. This is this is the most uncomfortable um <laughs> the most uncomfortable episode I think to ever listen back to, but just phenomenal to record. Really, really interesting. So enjoy. Okay, also quick disclaimer. Um, for whatever reason, the app kept crashing. So there's like a lot of times when it will kind of sound like the end of a sentence and then it just completely starts as a new conversation. That is actually what's happening. I'm in two minds about whether I actually put like a deliberate transition so that there's a cow mooing or a sheep buying or whatever. Um, and between those, who knows? You're about to find out if that's what I did. But just know that there's, I think about six or seven times that it drops over the two-hour fucking conversation, though. Now that's a podcast. Don't say I don't do anything for you. No one's ever said that, but I wouldn't hold it against you if you did. Um, so, yeah, just know that's a thing. Live your dreams. Bye. Hello. Hello. Damn it. Do you know what? How are you? I'm great, but I'm a little bit pissed off now. Okay, give me two seconds. I'm trying to sort out the logistics of this. Okay. Well, while while you're figuring out the logistics, 
explain, yeah. I suppose, to the to the people I'm gonna just say why I'm pissed off. And this is because I wanted to come in here completely not knowing who I was gonna talk to, what's going on, and then what happens, but your bloody name pops up on my screen. So now I know that you're Jacob McDowell. Uh well that's a good place to start. It is, but okay, no, it's great. It's great. And I'm also um the music that you hear while you're like waiting for the other person to connect is potentially the worst music ever. Um, but anyway, those things that are going wrong in my life. Hi, nice to meet you. How are you? Nice to meet you too. My name is Jacob, as you've already pointed out, and your name is Jess. Yep. Yep. And I don't think the music is as bad as elevated music. Well, that's usually a dice roll, but. <laughs> this is. This is elevator mu- music on absolute steroids. So um, I've basically been in an elevator for the last 10 minutes and I'd be lying if I didn't say that I blame yourself and Sarah. So, Oh, look, I, I, I'm happy to be a scapegoat. Um, yes. Yeah, good. it's 2019 is going to be the year for being a scapegoat. So, you know, we're already, what, how many months into it? Uh, we're a yeah. solid quarter of the way through, so I'm glad that you've adapted quickly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, quick couple of questions. Yes. You are living in Australia? Yes, N- not a question. We will move past that. <laughs> My follow-up question is, um, how long have you been there? Um, I have been there since August 2018. Ooh, okay, last year. Well, why, why did you move? Um, oh, actually, before I jump into that, just quickly, just for your own, I want you to imagine that this is like, this is going to be heard by millions of people. Um, it's not, but let's just think that way. Um, so as, okay. as a, so a couple of, I suppose, housekeeping just for yourself, I don't really mind, but just for yourself. Um, if you don't want to name the company that you work for, don't use their name. Um, if, yeah, you don't, if you don't want to be use any specific identifiers, maybe don't give out your IRD number and your postal address. Um, but okay, so if I was going to start giving away my credit card details, is that already a bad bad call? Only if you um, your credit card details are fine, but you have to remember the three digits on the back. That's kind of the general rule with credit cards. Um, uh, I'll yeah. send you a photo. Yeah. Please, and then I'll just make that. I'll put that on the podcast Instagram just to make sure that we're doing. You know, if you're going to fuck it up, do so thoroughly. Um, and that's that's about it. So, what was the question? Uh, the question was, why did I move to Australia? I moved to Australia for work. Ah, the mm. old that old nutshell. Because there's not enough jobs in New Zealand. <laughs> well, no, I actually um, I I, I left a pretty decent job in New Zealand to move with the same company to do a different job um, here in Australia. So, so it was a, it was a purely professional related decision. Completely professional. I had never even been to the part of Australia that I'm living in um, before the day that I moved here. So yeah, just came over for work on a hope and a dream. Um, and yeah, basically all that's that brought me over here what about yourself you're obviously in New Zealand yeah yeah um which may be a little surprising from my accent no I won't be facetious um (laughs) no um 
I, I've recently also relocated, relocated to Auckland. Um, uh, moved, started my job October 1st last year. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been what a wee stint trying to get, get to understand the big smoke. Uh, I guess the only reason why I'd probably call it the big smoke is I grew up in the, the far remote area of Southland that is Otapiri. Um, don't be surprised if you don't know where that is. I'm not going to take offense to it. Neither will the other 12 people that live there. Uh, mm. Oh, hey. you can hear me. Opa, yes. Fabulous. Oh. Um, please pass on my ongoing thank yous to a favor. <laughs> I, I will. I will. Okay. <laughs> I think that this is it. I think what ha- okay. So little update for anyone listening. Um, the first time I actually feel like I might have hit finish recording. I don't know how, but I'm just going to assume that that's what happened. I'm going to take responsibility of that. The second time, I don't know what happened there, but I couldn't hear. You. It sounded like you were a very far, far, far. away person. Um, and then now we're back on track. So what? Were you saying about where you are in twelve people? Oh no, 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 no! Just, just being progressively making my way north throughout New Zealand, um, <laughs> which is cool. Um, it gets a lot warmer as you go if you grew up in a very, very cold, cold place. Um, I'm not sure how you're finding living over over in Australia um, with with heat specifically, um, or just the the unnecessary illusion that is bedding. <laughs> um, do you know what's really crazy is that the summer over here has been infinitely, infinitely more comfortable than any recent summers I've had in Auckland by a fucking country mile because How? because every building here is made to deal with it. Like you turn uh. you turn even a simple house fan on for like ten minutes and you've got a cool room because everything's insulated and like made for heat. Whereas I feel like Auckland never expected to be a hot part of the country. <laughs> and so <laughs> like Yeah. So there's a you know, there's a twenty two degree day and you are melting because no, like nowhere can cope with the humidity and air conditioning isn't a thing in Auckland at all. Whereas again, no. here you walk into any building and it's beautifully air conditioned. You turn on an air conditioner for like two seconds and it cools the entire house Then you can turn it off. So it doesn't, and power is so cheap here. Oh, now you're just bragging. <laughs> no, that's, I, I had a fun situation. I, like, like I said, I moved to Auckland before before summer started last year. And I was like, okay, sweet. I'm going to go out and I'm going to go buy a fan. And I went out and everywhere I went, New Zealand had no fans. Mm. Like, you are just not prepared. Not prepared at all. I think we're living in a little bit of a delusional state being like, oh, yeah, like if the summer's good, that's awesome. We'll just go to the beach. It's never going to get that hot that you actually need a fan. And then the first hot day that it hits, everyone's just like, sweet, let's go nuts. I literally, yeah, I used to have to have two fans facing directly at me and I wasn't able to move. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, whereas here, like, I, I literally have not had a single day that I'm like, it's too hot. Not one day. And I used to have the entire summer of it. And, like, the crazy thing is, is that it'll be 
this is what I don't understand. I recently had like another one of my friends come over here for a while and Sarah will know her. It's Tracy. Shout out to you, Tracy, if you're listening. She doesn't listen to fucking anything I do ever, so she's not listening. <laughs> but just, just in case she's listening, shout out to Tracy. And like it was consistently 30 degrees, like 31, 32-ish degrees here. And it's, you know, like 27 degrees as soon as you wake up in the morning. Like this morning at 4.45 a.m. it was 29 degrees. But I don't understand what it is because 29 degrees here feels like 23 degrees in New Zealand like these I don't understand I don't know if it's a conspiracy I don't know if really all the temperatures are the same and they're just giving Australia higher numbers because they've got this reputation to uphold (laughs) or what's going on but like and Tracy confirmed this because I was like maybe I've just climatized really well but she's like no literally 30 degrees here is as hot as like 24 degrees in New Zealand Oh god! Look, I don't know what what the podcast gods were listening to that rant, but they did not want to hear it. <laughs> no, it, was, it was just like, no, no, thank you. We um, we don't need that. That's fine. Oh my god! I just realized it literally cut me out as I started talking about how you're living in a conspiracy. Yeah, I I'm a big I am a big fan of conspiracy. Um. I like I, I found myself recently in a situation with a whole bunch of British and Irish people, and I don't want to make generalizations or stereotypes, but I feel like they're just a little bit more accepting of conspiracies, like the idea that the government's watching you or they're putting in certain things in the water to, you know, change people and stuff. Like, I'm not sure. Are you, are you a big buyer of conspiracies? <laughs> okay. Is Sarah in the room with you? No. Oh, damn it. So the perfect thing to have happened would have been if you had have said that and then turned around to Sarah and she would have just frantically <laughs> nodded her head. So here's the thing about conspiracies is that I am just smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough to know <laughs> anything really. So like if, if something isn't completely off the table, then as far as I'm concerned, it might still be on the table. Is it on the table? I don't know. It's a big table. I don't know if it's in a corner or if it's completely off it. But, like, I just – I I don't have, I suppose, the ability to say no on anything, which means basically every conspiracy is up for debate. So you, you're going with the, the, the habeas corpus route, you know? It's just, like, innocent until proven guilty sort of thing. Or – is it? Is it? Is it Honestly, I don't know. I was really hoping that after you said that, you were going to explain it because I had no, I had no fucking idea. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think I'm probably actually a little bit more French. I'm like, everything is true unless it's disproven. Yeah. So I'm very probably guilty until proven innocent. Which, on a side note, I think is actually like, I think that's a bit okay. If I ever got caught committing a crime which you know touch wood not going to be the case but um if i did i'd probably want it to happen in france because i actually think if you are accused guilty until proven innocent i actually think it's easier to prove your way out of that scenario than it is to maintain proof of your innocence because here's the thing here's the thing 
Old call. Yep. Okay, so if you are automatically, quote-unquote, guilty, right, then all you have to do, yep. I want you to imagine that you are in an egg and that egg is guilt. <laughs> so you are in a, in, a, in a guilty egg. Wow. And, like, all you have to do is keep hitting the walls of the egg until it starts to shatter. Once it start, once the argument starts to shatter, then mm-hmm. you can basically go after any bit of light available, right? So all you're doing is trying to break out of a guilty egg. Now, if you reverse that and the egg is your innocence and you're immediately put in that, then any outside influence that starts to crack that egg is irreversible damage. Because... No! No, I 100%. Like, if, okay, so I'm like, if a cookie goes missing, and immediately it's like, okay, yeah. yes, I'm pretty sure that I'm just going to say that you're guilty for stealing the cookie um, until we figure out what else it is. Then all I have to do is go looking for, okay, first shred of doubt. Mm, no, um, it was a gluten-free cookie, and I wouldn't be caught dead. First shred of doubt, right? And then I'm like, okay, also, the day it went missing, I wasn't even there. Second shadow, like, second shadow of doubt. So already that's casting like a, hmm, okay, this doesn't really make sense over my, like, guiltiness. Now, if it was the other way around and a cookie went missing and they're like, okay, Jess, I'm pretty sure you didn't steal the cookie, so that's fine. And then it was up to other people to prove, well, hold on. Okay, so, yeah, it was a gluten-free cookie, so... Jess wouldn't be caught dead. And okay, yeah, Jess wasn't necessarily there that day. But do you know what? Jess could have very easily taken that cookie before she left. And she could have relied on the fact that it's gluten-free so we wouldn't suspect her. And all of a sudden, these things of doubt are just coming over your innocence egg. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I don't. I I I think I, I think I'm understanding the the visual metaphor, and I'm also now a little bit hungry for cookie. Um, <laughs> but I think like the, the the first one, and I'm just trying to explain it back just to see if I understand what you're mm-hmm. trying to say. The first one is you are guilty until you cast doubt on your guilt to create the innocence. Um, so there was a cookie; it's gluten free. Currently, everyone is guilty of everyone's guilty of stealing that cookie until they can go actually you know i was in spain so you know how could i how could i have a cookie when i was in spain um however the the inverted situation i think is you need an accuser to build build an egg of guilt around you um so it could be hey were you actually on the same day that the cookie went missing you posted a selfie on instagram with the cookie you know, some pretty pretty solid evidence. Um, and I think the, the issue, though, is that the, the phrase, and I, I was thinking about this recently, actually, beyond reasonable doubt. So in a lot of situations, whether it's a bit more serious than a cookie, people are trying to build these cases of, okay, what is, what is reasonable doubt? Because there's only so many facts you can do. And when you're, like, if you've got 12 mates that are deciding whether or not you ate or stole the cookie you have to create a a narrative that is believable or 
if you're trying to defend yourself, things that are beyond this reasonable doubt. Uh-huh. Um, I, however, would prefer the situation, personally, of not being associated with the cookie until someone can actually pinpoint and say, oh, look at all the cookie crumbs on your hands. How was the cookie? Um, in which case, you can still be like, there's no way to prove that that was the same cookie. Do you know what I've realized? So I've just what? realized in this conversation that, well, okay, no, I haven't just realized this, but I've just connected this to why I've always said, like, I'd rather be accused guilty and then, like, plead my innocence. I think, wait, no, I don't even, I don't know why I started that with thing. What I've realized is that when my back, like, when, my back's against the wall and I'm like in a corner. I'm way more comfortable there. I think I have an underdog complex. You've helped me realize that Jacob. I'm very, like, I'm very comfortable with being the underdog because I'm very like confident in my ability to scrape my way out of a corner basically. Whereas like when, when all the odds are in my favor, I think that I get like complacent. And so for me being like innocent until proven guilty is a very dangerous place to be because I'm like less likely to actually do anything about it whereas if someone's accusing me of being guilty and i know i'm not i think i would very aggressively be able to put a case together as to why i'm not you know what i'm saying yeah well that's that's human nature like i think you know if if you give someone an out of a conversation or you know even even imagine a social situation where someone has the means to to leave the confrontation as opposed to duking it out they will take that option that's why like one of the one of the things that I, I, I make sure that i i do whenever i am confronting someone with something and i mean this in a work capacity i'm not gonna so i i have i have a team at work um where where i manage them what what fantastic can you say, like what kind of industry are you in so I, I work for a transport company. Uh, also, for literally anyone listening, um, I have never spoken to Jacob before in um, my life. Didn't even know his name until I saw it pop up on the app screen. Uh, and the concept of this, if you haven't picked this up from whatever I title this, is basically, um, well, this is the, it's the 3am podcast, which basically means it's the kind of conversations you'd have at 3am after a party when it's just the weird conversational stragglers left behind. Um, so this is just a conversation with someone that I don't know for no specific reason other than just having a bit of a yarn. So yeah, yeah back to you. So you work in transport. Yeah, um, which is which is awesome. Like, absolutely love my job, love the people I work with. However, one of the things that you, you will eventually do is you'll have confrontational conversations with people. Um, it's usually calling them on stuff that they may or may not have done. Um, but one of the, the, the physical things that I make sure I do is I actually position myself in a way so that the the door is, so that there will be me, there'll be the person, then there'll be the door. So that at any point, the person actually has the ability, if they would so wish, to physically remove themselves uh, from the situation. that crucial conversation triangle. Yeah, um, and that's because... That way people, like, I mean, I, I work with people that are absolutely fantastic. However, there is also the realistic um, nature that, you know, some of the, the conversations that I have might be 
disciplinary um, and it's a lot easier for someone to walk out of a room if they want to rather than trying to punch See, me in the face. This is what I'm saying. I think there's something I think there's something wrong or not wrong in my brain, but see for me, I always and you can like again oh by the way for, again for anyone listening if I keep referring to Sarah that's how I ended up talking to Jacob today is because my friend Sarah um who basically was we were basically in a very um platonic married relationship for the better part of the last like few years because we hung out like, pretty much every single day so she knows all the weird shit that I do like if we go in anywhere I want to sit with my back to the wall and I want to be in the corner like if I'm in a crucial conversation I don't want to be anywhere near the door like even if I'm the person which thankfully I'm not you know too familiar with I'm used to being on from the sounds of it the same side of disciplinary conversations as you are but if I wasn't I would want to be back against the wall because there's something weird and it must be like down to tribal like just instinct that I just want to have back against the wall in the corner because I feel like I'm more productive there like if I'm close to the door I'll probably doze off and not even realize what conversation I'm in well I mean even think about like you you take the primitive angle Mm -hmm. if you if your back's against a wall or or a surface that you can trust and you don't actually have to worry about what's behind you you can purely focus on what's in front Mm -hmm. of you so it's, it's probably also a little bit like less stimuli. You're not as anxious of like, is someone going to jump out and get me? Um, but there is, there is no escape. Like you can't retreat. So you have to just dig your toes in the sand, hold your ground and just kind of go like, sweet, this is, this is what yeah. it is. It's a good place to be. Cause you just kind of, you get like maximum results from that. I mean, it's probably not the most productive, <laughs> but like, again, that's why I'm like, I had no idea so I've moved into a type of role that I've never been part of at all and I've never moved over yep. here and I don't have like any like family or like I've got a few friends here that I knew from work and whatnot but I had no backup yep. plans and so I'm just like hey I'm just going to um I'm just gonna fucking move country and figure it out because if I had a backup plan then I wouldn't be productive but do you know what I have realized is that I've taken this into like a Jess's therapy corner um, and I've completely detracted from the fact that um, you were going to tell me about your favorite conspiracy theories. No, 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 no. That, that's like, don't never, never feel like you retract if the conversation evolves. Um, favorite conspiracy theories. Oh, I mean, like anything from like the moon landing being fake. That's, that's always a, a fantastic what about one. The moon being um, Ooh, I haven't come across. Oh, no, I don't think I know enough about that one to speak with any authority on it. One of the ones that I, I was listening to today was this, the concept that Hitler was alive um, following the war and ran away to South America. Um, and that was because like the American government apparently kept putting money into FBI agents searching through South America to try and find Hitler, um, which is, you know, fantastic. Um, but also retracting based on where you just left off how did you find that process of re-establishing your sense of self after relocating because you you identify that you knew some people over there when you moved um because i feel like this is something we probably both went mm-hmm. through um and you know you move you you put yourself in a different situation whether it's for work or for whatever and you have to go through those like small fundamental things of like all of a sudden you need new friend groups, you need new places to eat, you know, 
you you have to like start off and if you want to join a gym you're joining a new gym you know i've i've decided to start playing rugby again just as a way to meet mm-hmm. people um which has which has been it's been fantastic but it's like you all of a sudden like when you move you have all these things that i think you take for granted from where you were you know just that that network that base um so like have you succeeded in doing that when you moved well um so so, uh reopening jess's um self-realization therapy corner so here's the thing yeah is that i'm equal parts two things i am equal parts um, actually, no, before I delve into that, it is related, so I'm not detracting. Um, I will go back to what I was saying. Is um, Where are you on the whole stance on the Zodiac? Like, not the Zodiac killer. <laughs> not, what, not what's your opinion on prolific serial killers. Um, but, like, <laughs> astrology and Zodiac and all that stuff. Like, where do you sit? Um, I mean, are you talking about like what's my sign? Yeah. Or believe in, in there being some virtue in it? Okay, I I am a Virgo. I think I'm also a a Earth horse. I think is my like Chinese year as well. Um, I don't know enough about them, but I I feel like I mean I I. I I think that there is small things, whether it's a Zodiac or whether it's like the, the thought pattern of you become your name, mm-hmm. you know, that there is these weird commonalities that you can draw from whether you're born in a certain period of the year, um, what, what the moon was placed at the time mm-hmm. of your birth. Um, you know, uh, what about I mean, you? Even, like, okay, even things and I promise you, this is actually leading up to what I'm saying, so I'm not deflecting. But um, even things like, if you look at, you know, cognitive psychology or, like, pat- recurring patterns and things, let's just say you are born... Now, I'm not too familiar with the signs born in this area, but let's just say you are born in a, a sign that is in the same month of, like, as Christmas. Now, yeah, you will have experienced everything in your life very differently to someone who say is born in the middle of the year just purely because you are a you know a certain age you are born at a time when there's a lot of celebration in most of the world or at least build up to it and so just from without any spiritual connection or anything there's going to be similar behaviors or experiences that you have had that other people born in similar times of the year will have experienced just through experiencing things at that time. So like you can even link that back. And then of course the, the like moon connections and the, the actual physical, you know, implications and whatnot. So 100%, the reason I bring up the whole Zodiac thing. So I've recently realized how much, of a stereotypical Aquarius I am. So much so that I'm really into like Zodiac memes because they seem to like really be scarily, scarily accurate. Um, But anyway, 
just just to film fill me in and anyone potentially listening that isn't as, as clued up on zodiacs what is a stereotypical aquarius yeah so that's that's pretty much everything that's happening here in australia so um aquarius uh there's more like mensa certified geniuses that are aquarius now that's not a humble break there's also way more people that um a diagnosed a yeah, a diagnose. Oh, trust me, I'm not one of them. Um, there's way more people that are um, diagnosed with severe mental illnesses that fall in the sign of Aquarius than any other sign, and uh, several signs combined. Now, when I lean that way, um, it's basically so the stereotypical Aquarius is uh, a quote unquote weirdo, um, strange, very. Very uh, uh, logical, but um, will really stretch what logic actually means. But logical in the sense that won't operate from emotion. So, oh, I feel sad, so I'm going to do this, isn't a thing. I feel happy, so I'm going to do this, isn't a thing. It's more, um, oh, you know, if I like step outside of myself and I look at the situation, I consider all areas. Um, so very robotic, like non-emotional, very, um, but on the same token, a lot of that is because that like a stereotypical Aquarius feels emotion on such an insane level that it is actually easier to go about day-to-day life by just not acknowledging it from anything other than a logical kind of like observatory stance. So, quick, quick yeah. question: Are you, So you would say that you you feel emotion strongly? Um. Well, I think if I was just an organic person, absolutely. Uh, the reason why I say that is because I naturally you're a part robot. Well, I naturally kind of lean more towards that. Like, really severe things will happen. And it's not even that I repress them. It's almost that I just like step outside to be analytical, to look at it that way, because I know, okay, for example, I will not, I'd never foresee myself ever having another pet ever, because when I think about that, I think about the last time I lost a pet and I actually like refused to let myself experience that kind of like hurt ever again. So I'm like, sounds like a, Sounds like a bit of a, a dangerous logic path to go down. I'm just, I'm just naturally applying that to something, uh, taking the next step and going like relationships. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you've, if you've had a rough time in a relationship, all of a sudden it's just like, oh no, this one dude in high school, he broke my heart. So um, boys are just now off the cards or women or just people in general. I'm not letting anyone ever inside my walls. No, my walls are going up. Oh. I'm now a spinster. Yeah, basically. Um, pretty much. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, you know what? This would be great. And this person seems amazing. And I think that they're just like a fantastic person, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? In 60 years time, um, if we were to get married, we'll probably have an argument. And you know, that argument will probably lead to, um, you know, I'll have this one grudge against him and I wouldn't want to risk that because that will be too painful. So how about I just um, never talk to this person ever again and disappear off the radar because that's going to be safer. That's very much how I operate my day to day. And that's very much how I've operated um, since I've come over to Australia. But the weird thing is it's like, it's very comfortable, which isn't, you know, (laughs) like, like, Of course, because you're not putting yourself outside of your comfort zone. No, but the weird thing is, is that I kind of am, but like, what it, because there's no expectation. Like, I'm, 
I'm like I'm a I'm a very big personality, I suppose, but I don't even really like kind of realize that that's because it like I probably think more like an introvert, which probably doesn't sound true at all. Like when I say it, but that's kind of how I think. But then I increasingly become aware that like when that other people very much see me as an extrovert. And so more so like Uh, when I've come over here, I'm like, Oh, there are like no expectations. So I could be a hermit for six months and no one's going to, you know, be on my dick about it because I can just do that. Now I haven't done that, but it's just taken away like all the pressures. So I've been like relatively social. I'm in a job where I'm basically a hype person within the business that I work for. So that's definitely put me, very out there very quickly which is sweet um but it has also meant that I'm like cool I've moved over here for work I'm very like there's really nothing other than my role and my job that I've thought about since I've come over here but by default a lot of my friendships and whatnot have come from that. So there's still the social element, but it's just very different to what's happened back in New Zealand, you know? Well, I mean, would you say that it's because I'm only applying to myself when I, when I moved, I found myself probably becoming a more truer, truer person and of myself because mm. you know throughout time you you form relationships and you start being things for other people and and then it just it just accumulates like this weird like um lint roller just constantly going over the same carpet over and over again and and not being so effective as his job and then the moment that you um relocate or, or find yourself in a situation where you have to start again you you do have that freedom to actually just stop and ask the question of like actually who am i what are the things I like to do? You know, when I don't answer to anyone, I don't have any pre-existing things. Hmm. What are the things I like to do? How do I want to actually live my life? That's a very good point. So with that, then who who have you realized that you are? Oh, oh, 3am therapy session. No, it's cool. Um, <laughs> who, who am I? I'm, I, I'm also like a bit of an extroverted person. Like, yeah. Great example, you go to a party and one of the first things that I don't like, I don't consciously have it in my mind, but I'm like, okay, I want to meet every person that's turned up here. You know, like I want to, I want to meet people. I want to, you know, try and find as many different experiences as I can by interacting with different people. Mm-hmm. Um, but also at the same time, like if someone looks like they're having like a pretty rough time, it like naturally a part of me is just like, sweet, let's, let's lift them up. Let's, let's find out whatever's like causing them to have a, like a shit time and, and, you know, get them out of their head and get them having fun and get the whole, whole atmosphere up and make it a, a really, really fun thing. Um, the, other, the other thing that I noticed that I, I did when I got here is I started resorting back to aspects of, I think, who I was when I was like really younger. Um, like one of the things that I started doing when I moved is I started drawing again, which is something I hadn't done for like nine years. Get the um, fuck out. Okay. Do, do you want me? Do you want me to hang up? No. Yeah, um, I just felt so literally being like, okay, I'm done. No, but like, um, yeah, one hundred percent same. Anyway, continue. Um. So there was there was that aspect. Um. You know, I, I started. I started like reading the things that I enjoyed reading. You know, um, 
it was it was it was really fun it, and it's it's it, like it's still an ongoing thing um you know to put it in a little bit more context like when i when i moved i was also moving away from a five-year relationship as well um I'll do it. Yeah. yeah so so there was there was probably a bit more of a a motivation to to really actually go you know what um, who, who am I? You know, what, what are the things that, that I want to do? What are the things that I like to do? You know, um, what are my genuine opinions on things as well? Because, you know, you, you like sometimes uh, have a person in your life that you meet them and you instantly just get the sense that, oh, you have adopted opinions or beliefs because you've been told that that's the way to think, not because you've actually ever based it on any experiences or any critical thought of your own. You've just, you know, just gone, oh, that's that's just how things are done. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I I would always have liked to think like, no, nah, I'm perfect. I'm amazing. I don't do that. But it wasn't until that I like started going through that, you know, that just like wee bit of like, actually, who am I? What do I like to do that? I started asking those questions again of myself. And I was just like, actually, no, nah, like I, I, I think that that is okay. And I, I think that that's not okay. And it's, it's okay to not think that that's okay. Um, so it's, it's, it's been a fun challenge and it will continue to be a challenge. Um, you know, and I think the other thing is like, I've always been a firm believer that the people that you have in your life, are usually like use the example of friends, the people that you have in your life, are representations of aspects of you. Hmm. And like, that's, that's the reason that why you'd, you'd be friends, why you want to hang out with them. You know, some people may, may fit in really well and they may be multiple aspects of you. You know, um, and I, I'd say, you know, if you've ever had that situation where you have a really good friend and no matter how much time's passed, wherever you go in the world, you catch up with them and it's just, it's easy, it's effortless. And I'd say that those people are actually the ones that are the biggest representations of you. You know, after all that's said and done, wherever you go, whatever you do, no matter how much you think you've changed, there's still those core fundamentals of who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it, it's cool realizing, realizing that, realizing, you know, um, the aspects of yourself and actually like putting a little bit of thought into going like, oh, there's, I have certain friends in my life that were contextual, you know, they're fantastic people, but they, they worked because at this point in my life I was doing this and they were doing that. And once that moment had kind of passed, like the thing that brought us together, the glue was gone. So, other than just the rediscovery, I suppose, of drawing, what's another, I don't know, specific but not so specific that it, you know, tells any tales that you don't want to tell? Um, What's another belief, I suppose, that you kind of had held a magnifying glass to and went, hold on, I don't know if that was actually mine organically or whether that was adopted? Okay. Okay, so one one of the things is like I I love I love food, absolutely love food. Like love cooking, love eating. I think most people do. You know, most people feel like sweet. Let's have some chocolate or go out and have some some really nice food. Most people will be down. And I always used to scoff at people who would um who would restrict themselves in the in their diet. You know, 
Um, I think it was it probably actually came from more of like a an ability to self validate the fact that you know I would I would go out and I would just gorge myself on, on multiple courses and then like look at the dessert menu and be like sweet I actually want to order multiple things off this um, <laughs> just living life in fantastic excess yeah um, yeah um, but like one of the things that I did when I when I moved I was just like actually you know what I'm I'm late late twenties and I probably need to, to to sort out my personal health a bit more. So one of the things that I started doing is I started just being a bit more restrictive on on how I ate. And like I know that of of, of anyone who who knows me well would know that how I'm eating and how I'm like exercising now, it, I used to make fun of those people. Mm-hmm. Like I used to be like oh my God, they're so insecure. Can you not just love yourself and and do what you need to do? Um, But one of the things that I've started doing is it's a combination of like intermittent fasting um, as well as like looking at sort of the, the sort of hereditary um, hit. Well, no, the history of, of my DNA and looking at, okay, my, my ancestors descended from people in Ireland and Scotland. To, and they're very highly, um, there's a very high chance that they were peasants toiling in the fields that needed to just get real plump off bread and potatoes to survive winters. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, okay, if, if I want to avoid being, you know, overly plump or portly, um, I probably need to avoid bread and potatoes um, because my my body and its biology based on where my ancestors have come from, it's really good at getting plump off bread and potatoes. <laughs> so so one of the things is cutting out those things in my diet. Um, and the only, the only time I'm restrictive is just Monday to Friday. Um, so Monday to Friday, I will wake up and I'll have a coffee and a can of tuna. Mm-hmm. And then from the window of 10 till 4 p.m., I can eat whatever I want. Um, I, I am in the fortunate situation where the place that I work, it, it provides a hot meal for lunch every day. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's like it's a pretty, it's a pretty cool place. Um, so we, we, have, we have a kitchen team on our sites that will make our meals for us. And it, it, it came about as this way to just try and bring people together at, at, at lunchtime to have it so everyone was eating together and to have it so that, like, you think you've got a 30-minute lunch break and if you aren't the most organized person, and a lot of people aren't, you're going to spend a good part of your lunch break going away and trying to source your lunch. So you're going to be pulled away from whatever you're doing and it's just going to add an unnecessary stress element to your day. So they were just like, no, nah, screw that. Let's just have these meals. So like every Thursday, pretty much on cue, I'll have a roast. Like I'll just, I'll just have a roast midweek, um, middle of the day, um, which is fat. So 10 o'clock to 4 p.m., I can eat whatever I want, Monday to Friday. And then at nighttime, I'll just have a, a, a can of tuna again and a smoothie. Um, but I'm, I'm eating like a person that I used to make fun of. You know, I, I used to make fun of people who would want to do, do marathons and half marathons and worry about the time that they're doing it. Um, and since moving, I realized, actually, you know, what? I, there's, there's, certain, there's a certain enjoyment to it. There's a certain enjoyment about feeling good about yourself and, and looking in the mirror and going like, oh, hey, hey, you, you do you. Um, 
Like I was the type of person that every time I'd go out and I hated, I hated clothes shopping. Absolutely hated it because you know if you if you don't like the canvas, i.e. your body, no matter what you're going to put on it, you're not going to enjoy the picture. Hmm. So so that was that was a, a a fun sort of challenge and discovery of of who I am as a person. Um, another one is I used to make fun of people who would go on Tinder. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure what, what your life is, is up to at the moment, or if you've ever dabbled in, um, in the online dating apps. Um, but I always used to be like this, this weird, I wouldn't even call it like hopeless romantic. I just like was so fixated on these stories about how people meet Mm. to the point where I like through all the, all the, the previous relationships I've ever had, I think I actually like dramatized the stories of, of how but too much. Um, and it's like, it's hard to meet people. Mm. And like, there's actually, there's nothing wrong with having a, a digital forum that allows you to, to enter into a platform where everyone is in the same, the same mindset. Everyone's also got the same expectations. Well, it depends what you're looking for a little bit different expectations. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's people with the sole purpose of meeting people, whatever the outcome is that you're looking for. Um, which is another one that I used to be like, Oh, you know what? Like, man, those people was so ridiculous. Why can't you just go out and meet a person? Um, it's, it's kind of hard. Well, I mean, hmm. first first of all, yeah, this is, this is very interesting. I think, so, okay, something, I do a lot of weaving, but I'll come back. So I realized last week, actually, um, that as much as I think that the only people that listen to this podcast are people I know directly, um, that's not the case. So there were people um, that reached out that I was like, wait, hold on. You live in Germany. How did you find this? You were from the States. How did you find this? So I think that for those, you know, still small number of people, they're going to find this very, very interesting because I'm listening to it and I'm like, hey, these are very universal things and they're just being said by someone else. And it's not just, you know, this isolated experience. So, first of all, thank you. This is fantastic. But um, <laughs> second of all, going back to the um, – it's it's a really interesting thing. So, let's go, like, directly to Tinder. And first of all, I think the first time I downloaded Tinder was when I was living in a flat full of, like, all of my friends. And we used to literally go through it and we used to refer to it as playing Tinder. Like, <laughs> we're like, oh, yeah. if you want to play tennis, and like, not even as like this fun, ironic statement, but just because, yeah, it was so, it was so, not even unacceptable, but it was so far outside of the realm of possibility that you would ever use it for any kind of genuine interaction ever. That it was, you know, it was just a game where you find, you know, hot guys and say weird pickup lines that you found from Bo Burnham's stand up comedy. Like, <laughs> that was, that was basically, you know, what Tinder was. Um, but, 
but now if you look at it like the reason why people frown on social media is because it's seen as a quote-unquote you know distraction from real life but increasingly to your point as more and more people go there and it becomes a unifying platform and actually not a secondary platform from the everyday experience then that perception is completely shifted like am i going to be using tinder while i'm here no because realistically the sunshine coast has everyone that lives here knows each other already so there's absolutely no way that i'd go like on an app when I could literally just walk outside and everyone that's on Tinder is probably standing in my street. Um, However, do I think that it is as normal, if not more normal to, you know, marry someone that you met on Tinder or Bumble or whatever? Yes, absolutely. Like that, that isn't even, there's like any stigma around that has completely almost like evaporated in my mind. And I do think that is because it is just, that is the unifying platform. It's not the secondary. It's interesting. Yeah. And I think like with a, with a media like that, the, the, the meeting people and dating people or getting to know people or even courting people, if you want to use that phrase, it's still the same processes that just happened a little bit out of, out of the, the, the norms order if that makes sense um like you like hypothetically let's 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 go through the the situation and try and work out the steps of how you would meet someone or like do you do you have a partner in your life at the moment (laughs) no um that is that is another significantly aquarius trait but i'll save that therapy session for later yeah like okay so hypothetically let's say how would you how would you meet someone or how would you give advice for someone to um to go out and meet someone um okay specific to to where you are yeah two very specific schools of thoughts i'll go on the advice that i'd give would be definitely just do things that you like and find those and engage in them and then meet people through there So if someone was moving over and they're like, oh, but, you know, I really want to, how do you get, I don't know if people still say on the scene, but I'm just going to entertain the fact that people say, you know, how do I make it known that I'm on the scene? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, immediately after blocking that person on Facebook, no. Um, So I suppose my response to that would definitely be, okay, well, figure out what it is that you want to do or that you're really passionate about. Cool. Well, I want to uh, get really good at surfing, let's just say. I'd be like, cool, there's a million different places that you can learn to do that or hone that skill. Reach out to those. Do something there. If you meet someone there, then it's someone with a commonality and common skill. Cool. See how that goes. Live your dreams. Does that kind of answer that first part or first half of the question i mean a wee bit but i'm gonna let you keep keep running with your thoughts and then i'll I'll, I'll question question it after okay cool because that's my like response that i'm going to give to someone else as a blanket but there's so many layers to why that would be my response as a blanket is that actually what i think is going to happen no absolutely not is that the most cliche thing that you can say to someone without having an actual understanding of their you know how they interact in social situations yes so is that extremely negligent advice absolutely don't listen to anything i say shouldn't be trusted um (laughs) but okay if if i was actually going to say like for myself if i stepped out of myself 
and I was telling myself what to do. Um, first of all, I would definitely um, have to point out all the areas that I've built up very significant walls in um, and just acknowledge and just acknowledge those like that's half as a joke, but half also like very serious. Because again, this is one of those like alien situations where I feel like I can like step out and like observe. Um, so point those out and then yep and then pretty much just uh force someone like myself to address what the actual core root of those like walls is and not you know the story that i tell myself with the self-fulfilling prophecy or whatever but the (laughs) actual core root of those things are which admittedly and again semi-joking but semi-dead serious would be a very like lengthy process to actually make someone like myself steer those in so once I've done that um, then I would say cool do something that you're completely uncomfortable with doing just to kind of test your limits there and then once you've done that you'd be like wait okay so things aren't so scary and then it'd probably be a process of readjusting to normal you know social cues so god what was the last thing I said I was out for drinks with some work mates and someone came up and said um, hey, could I buy you a drink? I haven't seen you around here before. And I said, yep. oh, yes, it is actually possible for you to purchase me a drink, but I'm going to go over there and I walk away. <laughs> so, like, these are, things, these are things that I would say, hey, Jess, he was a very normal, non-murderous-looking person. Maybe don't respond like that. But... Oh, you know what? That's actually, that's actually quite a funny response. So I think stick to your guns because you, you probably, in all honesty, need someone that's going to actually enjoy that humor first and foremost. Yeah, but it's all very enjoyable until you realize like, oh, this this is always there. This doesn't, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm waiting for this like fun, loving facade to drop and no... Jess is actually a serial killer. I'm not a serial killer. Um, don't implicate me. Guilty till proven innocent. I will fight my way into that verdict. Um, but, you know, it's like, it's, how do you... You there? Hello. Hello. You're not a serial killer. Um, <laughs> uh, no. But again, if I'm accused of being a serial killer, I'm probably going to be more successful in proving that I'm not. Um, so, what was I going to say? How do you? Um, that's actually, hey, this is full circle. One of the biggest realizations that I have probably had, well, not so much realizations, but moving to a new place has allowed me yeah. to actually confront. What, what, um, what I actually believe about myself, like how I operate and, you know, my weird robotic um, interactions and whatnot, and what I have actually just told myself. So, like, you know, it's helped me to identify what the, like, I suppose caricature of myself is and then what the reality is. Um probably a bad time to like put a joke in there but again not really a joke the scary thing is that the line's a lot thinner than i would have hoped but there is a line there 
you know, I can see I mean, the caricature and the reality, but the one, you know, it's not a complete. Are these, are these like are these happy epiphanies? Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, because I, I guess, like, yeah, you, you're not really going to find out those things until you test yourself, though, will you? No. You know, and I think that, yeah, it's... Because were you, were you nervous before moving, or were you the type of person that was just like, nah, I've got this idea in my head, and I'm just going to run with it, and everything else will sort itself out afterwards? The latter, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm very yeah, yeah. uncomfortable in the uncomfortable. It's where everyone else is comfortable, or where, you know, like... It's the norm and the accepted which really puts me on edge. But, like, I'm very much the kind of person, like, let's just say there's a huge... Okay, I'll give you an exact example. Um, my friend... Do you remember when there was all of those, like, synthetic weed, like, replacements, whatnot, but they were legal? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Legal hearts. Yes. So when I was at uni, one of my friends um, had some of those and actually had almost like an allergic reaction to it um, yep. and dropped to the ground and started like foaming from the mouth and having a seizure. And Jesus. I don't even really know what happened, but before I knew it, I was in the ambulance with my friend and I was very calmly explaining what happened to the um, like ambulance people, um, the medics on board. And from all recounts, what had happened is as soon as I saw it, I just very nonchalantly kind of grabbed my phone, called 111, very calmly explained, hey, look, this is the situation, blah, blah, blah. And then we were at the hospital basically before I even realized what was happening. Like, I, I, I cope very well with absolute chaos. It's like everything gets very everything gets very clear and in order when things are up in the air. However... <laughs> When everything is like business as usual and, you know, just super normal and whatnot, that's what puts me on edge because I'm like mm, almost waiting for that like penny to drop. Yeah, I I, I agree. Like, well, I, I find similarities in myself actually a wee bit, um, probably more with the like thriving in chaos. Um, you know, like I don't know whether it's a it's a mindset thing or it's just, you know, something that that's just you learn to develop over time but you know I had a situation where I I was at a random flat um the the morning after a fun night at uni um and one of the girls that lived there she started having a seizure and no one really knew what to do and I had minimal experience but you just kind of like it's that weird thing where your brain just slows down Yes. Um, quick question. Are you talking um, on this like it's a phone? Yes. Okay. Maybe. Is you, Can you turn your screen off? Turn my screen off? Yep. Yep. Sweet. Is my ear doing things? It might be. I don't know. This is all just science at this point. Okay. Where, where, where did you hear up to? Okay. So your brain slows down. Yeah, it like it just slows down, and all of a sudden things become really calm, clear, and like a logic sort of kicks in. That like it's almost like for a moment of clarity, you're devoid of emotion. You know, it's um, 
is a really weird, weird phenomenon. Um, but it, like in a professional capacity, it helps me all the time. You know, like I'll just be at work, something will happen, you know, whether it's a, an accident or even just something unfortunate happens. And all of a sudden, like it's, it's like you're almost, it's not an out of body experience because that's, that's weird. You're definitely present, but it's, it's only certain parts of you are firing and they're firing really well. Um, but the thing is like, if, if I don't have chaos, I get like, I think the best word to describe it is itchy, you know, like I, like whether it's, whether it's, I just, I'm like, I love, I love being busy to the point where I'm, I have almost no free time, you know? So like over committing myself to, to things is something that I love to do. Like every every sunday evening or night i'll get to the end of the weekend being like sweet i get to go back to work so i can so i can rest um because like my my weekends are planned before i even get to wednesday um and it's like this this wonderful series of of events and meetings and i just do it i don't know why i i just i just like i like running around i like doing different stuff i like juggling different situations it's just not sure if it's an addiction of of fun or I just have a hard time sitting still. Do you know what? I think it's one of those things that if you look at like the context of it, and when I say one of those things, it's only one of those things, I suppose, if you're looking to put like a um, quote unquote judgment on it. When I say judgment, I mean like a judgment of, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Where yep. if you can actually look at whatever action it is, as long as it's not harming anyone else and say, okay, does this actually like make me happy or make me like, yes, I really like this. Or um, does, you know, am I just saying it makes me happy, but really it makes me miserable. If it's the former and it just genuinely makes you, you happy, then then like embrace it. And so obviously like in your situation with loading everything up, I'm sure, you know, you'd probably be in a position where there are people saying, oh, you know, you should slow down or maybe you should enjoy things a bit more or maybe don't take on. And from what you've said, I'd be willing to bet that if someone said that, you'd be like, but why? I, like, love all these things. Why are you trying to tell me to stop doing all these things that I fucking love? Like, how dare you? Um, And it's... (laughs) I I definitely say it's something that I enjoy doing. Yeah. You know, like, I, I like... No, I, I have the frame of mind that there is only, you, you have a life, you have a life to live, mm-hmm. you know, and times where, of course, you want to slow down, you want to just have a day where you do nothing, um, but the other time, it's just like, we, you've already committed to working for however long you're going to work until you retire, um, so, you know, there's, there's five out of every seven days a week for the rest of your life. Mm. Um, so why why not try and make the most out of what you've got? Mm. Um, so it's it's yeah it's 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 probably not as as dramatic or as <laughs> as a or or kind of like um, sort of in, indicative of of someone trying to escape their own mind. I just like doing it. It's fun. Well, okay. So here's the thing. Also. I saw Sarah's message that she's creeping on the conversation. So hello. Um, Here's the thing. It's like, I will, like, I would always attest to the fact that I do, okay, especially while I've been with the company that I'm with now, 
I yep. put in like ridiculous hours. Like I at the moment will show up at like six thirty, and I try not to leave till probably five is like a pretty early, not early, but you know, like for many 11 or 12 hour days is like genuinely, I want to do that. There's no like, oh, I'm telling myself I do because like, it's what I'm doing anyway. So I may as well pretend that I like it. Like, no, it's like very yep. genuinely. Sometimes it gets towards the end of the day and I'm like, damn it. If there were literally just a few more hours, then I'd be like so much happier finishing stuff. And I love putting so much stuff on my plate. So basically with what I do, there's a, at least a um, couple of times a year, um, that I'm um, partly responsible for like a huge, huge, huge global kind of initiative. Um, and that's the most high pressure time of my year. So obviously I've experienced two yep. of those since I've come over here, but it's going to be an ongoing thing. And that is the time when realistically, I think a lot of the expectation is that that is the only thing that I would focus on. However, whenever those projects have come up, the last two times that they have, I found that that's actually the time that I'm the most productive to take on additional projects. So I'll have this huge project, yep. but all of a sudden, everything that comes my way is just so easy because it's like I've like elevated elevated my expectation for what I'm going to be doing to that yep. higher level that, yeah, of course I'll accept this side project. And of course I'll run this initiative. And of course I'll take on all of that because it's like, that's already where my mind is anyway. And when I first came over and I was doing that and because, you know, again, the area that I live is not, um, it's quite beachy and quite chill and quite relaxed. And the number one bit of feedback I was getting is, oh, no, you should take things a little bit slower and you should, you know, relax a bit and, you know, you're, you're doing too much and you've got to have this quote-unquote work-life balance and you've got to do, like, all these things. And I started to actually listen to all of those. And I was like, yeah, maybe I do. So I started to, like, slow down. I started to, like, measure what I accepted a little bit more. And when I tell you that, like, there was, like, a month – maybe a bit over when I was fucking miserable and I and I had no idea why. Like I had no idea because everything was going fine. And it wasn't like, you know, it's not that I wanted to move home. It's not that I was unhappy. Like I was happy, but I was just miserable. And then the second wind of this huge project came up and all of a sudden I was like on top of my game and just loving it. And I was like, oh wait, I was listening to fucking advice from people that had absolutely like there was advice with zero context on what was going on and then that's when I clicked into yep. you know like it's not this thing where I'm like like I genuinely enjoy operating with that like everything on my plate at the moment and you know maybe obviously maybe that's going to change one day in the future that's cool that can change in the future but for right now it's the fucking it is the best thing like I will accept every single project I will do whatever because that's just where that's where I'm happiest operating. So, yeah, and I think I think some people probably actually uh, myself and yourself making a stab in the dark probably enjoy that added organization that comes from when you are busy. You know, you become more precious with the time that you have. So 
you know, you, you're, you're motivated to just smash stuff out. Mm. You know, you don't have the time to sit still. So when otherwise you'd might meander through parts of your life, all of a sudden it's just like, bam, bam, bam. You're on top of your stuff. Everything's falling into place. You're in total control of everything because you have to be, there's no other choice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I think, I think there are probably people. Hello. Hello. So there are people out there that, um, probably enjoy taking taking a sip of the the advice that they gave you. You know the stuff where it's they they don't like that pressure. They don't like that that stress. They don't like having that you know thing driving them through their day because they actually like to be a bit more chilled about it. Um, and I think you, you, the world a balance of those people. You know because mm-hmm. if everyone was highly motivated, enjoyed chaos, then the world would by proxy be a very chaotic and highly strung environment which is probably not a a beneficial one to have if everyone was operating like that or it could be fantastic um but i think people just deal with stress differently Mm -hmm. 100% and absolutely there needs to be a balance like if 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 i look at specific examples there's someone who um i've relatively recently started working with who with in 99% of all areas is just the complete opposite person to me. Um, And I've never witnessed such like efficiency and just dynamic basically results as when we started working together, because where I think one way or like, for example, I will come up with a huge idea and I'll have like a million different options and, like it's just so big and so huge this person can actually come and almost translate my like wide yep. thoughts into actionable points actionable points being things that you know bore me really um, yeah <laughs> but those like far like an outlandish thoughts are things that confuse and or bore this other person so it's like that perfect balance is the only reason why we're as productive um, yeah. as we are. Hmm. Do you, okay. So you like, you like being motivated. You deal with stress in a very excited and fun way. Mm-hmm. How do you unwind? Like what's, what's your go-to? Are you the type of person that comes home and like all of a sudden the first thing they do when they get in the door is put the kettle on and put on their pajamas. Uh... Hmm. So I don't, okay. The thing about unwinding is it, it's, I don't know. So if I, a lot of the times I'll, <laughs> what, what are this? No. Um, so a lot of the times I will like come home from work or whatnot. And actually what I want to do more than anything else is actually do something, which I suppose could be, um, what the role I'm in is quite agile so like there's the scope of like what I do on a Monday to Friday basis uh, I suppose the tasks but what I do you know when I come home or on what I think about over the weekends I suppose are the greater like themes to what I do if that makes sense so I like to like come home and after I've done a whole lot of tasks I kind of invest time into the the theory side and the hypotheticals and the what ifs and the research like for me love 
anything like TED Talks, listening to other podcasts, just like anything like that for me is like how I can unwind. But that is if it is, uh, I suppose, just an unwind in terms of adrenaline and kind of like slowing myself down after a full day of doing tasks. Now, the other kind of unwind is like, and I don't want to go into the situation too much because obviously, you know, it's still sensitive, but with the Christchurch terror attack, so that's an emotional unwind. For me, it was complete, like, escapism. Like, I was finding the most, like, out-of-this-world Netflix series. I was, like, I was doing a whole lot of drawing. I was listening to music that I had saved on, like, playlists from the 90s. I was, like, just as far away from that as possible because, again, it was, like, a different kind of thing. But on a typical day, if I'm, quote-unquote, unwinding, it is, yeah, it's anything that kind of exposes me to new thoughts or ideas and stuff like that. Like, I'm a big, uh, for me, like, I, you know, TED Talks are genuinely very fun for me. Um, recent thing, like, different theories and, like, conspiracy theories or, like, um, you know, motivational theory or, or whatnot or theories of recognition or, like, anything like that. Like, that is very interesting for me. So I typically do that unless I'm trying to escape from my emotions in the world. <laughs> okay. If you had to do a TED Talk, someone had a gun to your head and said, sweet, you need to step up and do one. Mm-hmm. What would you do your TED talk on? Oh, wow. Very easy. Um, the damage of putting um, humility and being humble, both in quotation marks, on a pedestal. What do you mean? So there's a there, – it could be seen that there's a, I suppose, societal – understanding that um to be humble um and achievements yep. is like a really 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 positive trait and to show humility in what you do is really really positive now that's obviously great in a lot of respects but um that can also be kind of traded to keep um i suppose self-affirmation down so um you know, where, for example, if I say I'm a highly skilled public speaker um, and have a demonstrated ability to do so in an impromptu setting or a pre-planned setting, then, you know, there will be some people that listen to that and go, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. But there's also this like little part of a lot of people's psyches, including my own, if I hear um I will you know there's that little part when I say like if I hear someone say that that's like well hold on I can do those things too or like that little yep. part that it's like if someone owns something it's almost like we interpret it to think that they're saying that they're the sole owner so if someone says hey I'm a great singer it's like well I'm a great singer too it's like cool those things aren't mutually exclusive if I am good at um i don't know if i've got a fantastic memory and if i say that out loud and if i'm proud of it i'm what i'm 
wait, what all I'm saying is that I've got a great memory. What I'm not saying is that my memory is better than everyone else's. What I'm not saying is that your memory is terrible and you're trash. But there's something in like the way that we've idolized the words humility and, you know, the action of being humble that you could almost interpret has put that in our mind. It's like, well, wow, that person's up themselves. Okay. Why is that an issue? Let's unpack that. So that's probably along the lines of what I'd, I'd talk about. Wait, I'm, I, I wonder if it's actually uh, if it's an inability to talk ourselves up or if it's actually our inability to celebrate others' success. Mm. So rather than taking the stance of, you know, you need to be your own hype man, well, actually, maybe we need to be better at, you know, when someone does well, celebrate with them and do it in a, like, learn how to do it in a genuine way. You know, how, because I think that's probably a bit more of the, the fundamental step towards actually accomplishing that transition is actually teaching people, you know, it's okay if someone does well to actually genuinely congratulate them on something mm-hmm. or how to identify positivity in others that it doesn't mean that you're not okay. If you are going to go out of your way and go like, Hey, I think that you are actually fantastic at these things. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I think it's a, um, you know, it's now obviously I don't have kids, so I'm speaking literally just off other people's experiences and like what they say. But um, when people say, you know, if you have kids, it multiplies the love. Like it doesn't divide the love you already had, but it actually multiplies it. I can carry that directly across to like celebrating success. Like it's not that if I celebrate the person next to me success, I'm actually taking away from my success. It's the complete opposite. By celebrating the person's success next to me, you're actually multiplying it. And I think that's probably actually one of the, no, it's not that I think this. This is the, um, probably the biggest lesson that I learned um, in my time leading people is that the, the wins you get by elevating people around you, and I'm talking even the people who on a personal level did my absolute head in, so like peers, obviously, yep. but elevating what they did well had literally nothing but positive repercussions. I'm not talking about, you know, positive repercussions as, oh, I was seen to celebrate this person, so it helped me out. Like, I'm talking even invisible, like, elevation. Like, it just it just does nothing but increase, like, the positive outcome. Like, I'm one of the most annoyingly, um, you know, I'll point out the specific stuff at work. Again, it links into what I actually do for my job. But I'll say, hey, look, um, you know, I know that I'm confident in this area and I do well here. But what I just saw you do was like completely, I've never seen something pulled off that skillfully before. That was fantastic. I actually think that you should take the lead on this because blah, 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 blah. And it's just, you know, whatever. And that's you know working in an environment where that person now feels comfortable to do the same thing to someone else and then someone else feels comfortable to pass that on to someone else it's just so much more productive than working somewhere where everyone's so precious and like reserved with this perceived small quantity of positive (laughs) affirmation that they feel that 
it's got to be taken from someone else as opposed to just multiplied across the board. You know? Yeah, but even even in interpersonal relationships as well, you think you're friends, you know, like I, I think a benchmark of, of someone who is a good friend is, you know, that, that person who gets genuinely stoked when something good happens for you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like like you think about it's it's the first question you ask is like let's say you got a promotion at work who are you going to want to tell you're going to want to tell the people that are actually going to celebrate that with you they're going to be happy for you and they're going to acknowledge that success and reinforce it um because they they have nothing to to lose from celebrating that and they genuinely care for you you know and, and you can you can use that in other instances in your life as well like other personal relationships you're trying to develop whether it's you know um, professional or or just like other friends as well. Like if you can be a person that actually celebrates other people's successes, people are going to be more inclined to want to have you around as a person. Heck yes. You know, and, and then you start also changing that that relationship we have with humility to go to, you know, like let's let's actually not be afraid to put ourselves out there because people will be better receiving of success, you know? And I think like, like, and especially growing up in New Zealand, man, we're, we're so quick to, to pull out the weed whacker and just pull someone down if they're trying to be happy for themselves. Eh? Yeah. I am um, kind of when I, when I was first thinking about this is like one of the ideas I did almost like an audit where um, I just spent a day taking note of the times that like that was demonstrated and I forget the number of times, but I remember some of the examples was, so I was at a, like a family kind of thing. Um, And and a member of my family said, Oh, so I'm getting this new car tomorrow and I'm really excited about it. Cause it's the first brand new car I've had. And another member of my family goes, well, I've had a new car before. (laughs) this is just the most like typical experience and then in the same day it was a similar interaction i saw on facebook i think there was someone posted like a stuff article and it was basically about hey this really fantastic thing's happening in this community and the overwhelming majority of comments were well amazing things happen in our community too (laughs) like that's great no one's saying they're not but yeah exactly it's it's um it's a Kiwi trait. It's also, like, as I'm finding, an Australian trait, but it's also a little bit of a human trait, which is interesting to shine the light on. You know, because, I mean, we, we are creatures of our own insecurities. Mm. You know, like the amount of things that you do in your day, and I do in my day, because somewhere along the lines, I had a bad experience that, you know, conditioned me to being like, oh, I'm not going to do that again. You know, like a, we, we, our insecurities drove us so much. So it's it's that funny thing of like, I was having a chat to to a friend a wee while ago, and I was talking about, you know, I was I was worried about this and the other thing, and he just stopped me and he said, "Look, Jacob, no one cares about you as much as you do. The moment that you put yourself out there, everyone's just going to be thinking about themselves. So you don't actually have to worry, you know." Um, everyone is slave to their insecurities. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. So it's yeah, it's a it's a hard thing to work around though. But I think celebrating success, 
building other people up is a way to make them feel a bit more comfortable so that they do do feel that they can share that. Awesome. The family family new car one cracks me up. I think everyone's probably had a similar situation like oh, yeah. that. You know, like even when you're kids, you know, like do you remember like story time um, when you're first starting out in school? And I've used the, the saying, my ice cream is this big. And it's that, that small interaction that happens between people where someone will say, on the weekend, I got an ice cream. And then the next person will step up and it's just like, well, I had an ice cream and it was two scoops. And then the next person will step up and I had an ice cream and it was two scoops and they were both chocolate. You know, it's just like, why, why do we have this like compulsion to one up each other? Yeah. It's, um, do you know what would be very interesting is to, and probably relatively easy as well, but to, I suppose, trace that back to like the uh, exact reason for like places where that's most prevalent so let's just say from learned experience New Zealand and Australia but tracing it back exactly to like why that was such a um, survival technique in those areas ah yep Mm. well I think it's first first we want to give information about ourselves to to see our, our communal worth you know, um, like one of the first questions, like if you meet people that you get asked or you'll probably ask other people yourselves is, hey, what do you do? You know, like we're, we're constantly trying to, to work out information of, okay, what, what relevance do you bring to a, to a community setting? You know, um, and it, the other one is um, just trying to, you know, work out, you know, where, where in that community people have have a position or have status or do they fit into that community? Um, that's because, do you ever, do you ever wonder whether, because obviously we have rapidly evolved as, as creatures mm-hmm. and we are still somewhat slaves to our biology mm-hmm. in, in some regard. Um, and we're still also limited by, you know, our, our brain hasn't really caught up to how rapidly the society that we live in is evolving. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we're constantly trying to play catch-up. You think, you go back to those primitive communities and, you know, the and the, the reason that I say this is you, you take um, a topic of, you know, us-them mentality, which, which is one very... Um, very prevalent in all aspects of, of human nature, you know, you, you have these unifying aspects, like you know that we are us, you know, through a number of factors, like we, we speak with similar accents, yeah. even if you were to actually listen into them a wee bit, you'd probably realise that we actually have different accents. Um, we, we look for these things to, to unify us as a way to understand, yep, sweet, we are us, and then everyone else is on the outside of, of that community. Um, it's like it, it, it kind of like I know you touched on it. And I'm not sure if you want to speak a, a whole bunch about it, um, about the the stuff that happened in Christchurch. Mm. I mean, um, so my only hesitance comes from um, it's such a it's so it's such a nuanced, you know, there's so yep. many. Uh, there's so many different sides to it and the weird thing is is that 
there's like an overwhelming um, international listenership. Um, actually, yep. more overwhelming than I realized as I just am now looking at the anchor um, demographics and realize that it's not yep. a few, it's majority of the people listening to this come from um, the States. And I don't, I'm very aware of the responsibility of um, being the place where they get that information. But even as I'm actually saying that, No, okay. like the, so the only, go into it. I've, 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 I've only thing that I kind of wanted initially touch upon was just because I mean, growing up in New Zealand, there was always that that sense of you know stemming from that us versus them mm-hmm. stuff. You know, news. I think that the, the most shocking pe- thing for a lot of people in New Zealand is you'd never think that something like that would would happen. Mm. Like it just it seemed foreign, it seemed offshore, it seemed you know there was like a naivety that to think that you know it wouldn't happen here um but I think the thing the only thing that I'd probably want to touch on is just that the the unifying sense of of us that's come from it, mm. you know like you talk to people and and you you see the stuff that's happening around the country and and you definitely get the sense of no matter your sort of um, your, your background or your theological alignment that the people in New Zealand are exactly that. They're just people in New Zealand and there's, there's an overwhelming sense of just trying to, you know, reinforce that. No, no, we are us, mm-hmm. you know, we, we are, we are all in it and we are all, we're all feeling it. And it's, it's cool. It's nice, especially when, when you see other things happen that don't have that same response it's it's like it's it's a small silver lining to the whole situation yes no i could not agree more on that that is yeah that's hit the nail on the head i think so it's Hmm. yeah but i mean like i'm I'm gonna admit I, i cried i cried a couple times um afterwards that was a that was a fun fun situation i was dealing with a concussion at the time (laughs) (laughs) yeah that'll that'll Um, add to it um but yeah it's um it's i actually had a funny situation where um as as stuff was unfolding i had a family group chat going on um and you know i like because originally I was kind of like just trying to like reach out to, to my family that lived in the area, just going like, Hey, you guys are good. Um, and then I was just like, no, nah, no, nah, I'll just, I'll just put my entire family in one big group chat. Um, and like, I love my family to pieces. Um, but we are all very, very different people. And, and my, my brother still lives at the bottom of New Zealand and had no idea anything was even happening to the point where he was playing catch up and he called me initially because he, he thought that like, it's that wonderful situation of like, you, you see someone, you know, just going like, Hey, I hope everyone's okay. And my brother called me being like, just assumed that one of my grandparents had passed away um, of, of unrelated and natural causes. It's just like, we're, we're at that stage now where everyone's moved on and doing their own thing in their life that like, his logic is the only reason they would ever talk is either someone's going to have a kid 
or <laughs> or it's going to be the, the the next in line for the funerals. Um, so yeah, but that was cool because they managed to increase the the frequency. Bonjour. Welcome back. Thank you. Mm. Um, do do you have that like because now your your family are they based in New Zealand? Um, yes. And um, no. Well, no, no, no. Yes, almost exclusively. Um, but it's a, it's an unusual family dynamic in the fact that. I don't know, when I think of, like, okay, so when people talk about their families, I usually think about people talking about, you know, their, like, cousins and siblings and things like that. I am basically just, so for a really long time, I was the youngest person in my family, basically under, like, 40. So when I think of family, I think of, like, my few aunties and uncles that I touch base with and then my parents. And so it's yep. like, yeah, they're, they're based in New Zealand, but it's not like there's like a, you know, there's a couple of them in Auckland. There's a couple of them up north. And then, yep. yeah. So, yes, is the short answer to the long answer I just gave you. Because <laughs> the only reason I ask is I, I realised that over the last two years, my family transitioned from when you have like a, a family get together, it being like your aunties, your aunt uncles, your cousins, your grandparents. And now for a family get together, it is my siblings, their children and my mum. Mm. You know, like, and I was just like, when, when did that happen? When did, when did I become the uncle? When did that, trans- <laughs> I wasn't, I didn't get a letter in the post saying that, oh, hey, by the way, this is going to be the new, the new standard now. I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, no, see, I, I suppose similar thing now that I've got younger cousins that they very yep. much like, and the weird, the weird transition as well is that, yeah, it's, it was very naturally like adopted role. Like if I'm um, home for Christmas, then I want to make sure that they get like the kids Christmas experience where they have like, you know, just like specifically kids things. So I almost like just automatically put myself in like the, um, old adult role as well yeah hmm. yeah well i i find myself just like every christmas just getting absolutely attacked and swamped yeah. um like like just and then like having just all of your your nieces climbing on you wanting your attention mm. i think that's also like the fact that like like a very it's not a choice thing it's just a geographical one like i very rarely get to see them throughout the year so mm. when you get to it's um, the only time, yeah, is every. I don't understand why this was why this happens in New Zealand, but you know Christmas lights. Yes, it makes sense in the northern hemisphere. However, my mum is one of those people that loves to put Christmas lights on her house. <laughs> yeah, like she loves it. She goes absolutely ham for it. Um, so every year, the end of November, just before the start of December. I fly down or fly over from wherever I am and spend a weekend just putting Christmas lights on my mum's house. Now that's, that is prime sunburn material. You think you're climbing up onto a roof, spending a day on a ladder, you know, <laughs> like 
like it's and it's just it's just a rough time and and she loves it you know and that's the reason why you do it you do things for your family um and it, it it's cool and and it's cool when you know you have families drive by and stop um and look at look at the house over christmas time oh so, you, I just don't... so, so your mum's house is like that level of lights like it's people drive by and stop lights yes yes um she oh, hell yeah <laughs> on, on on like i think if she, like every year she just buys more as well like every year she just like keeps buying more and keeps adding to it and adding to it and adding to it it's just like it's if you've got three people you're looking at two solid days that start at 6 a.m you get woken up um you go over the plan and who's doing what and the what lights have to go where and and where the power cords, the logistics of just running the power cords, there's so many multi-boxes. Um, <laughs> and then it's it's just, sweet, get to it. You keep going until you're told that you're allowed to break. <laughs> um, and then you, you get through the first day. Um, and then that usually stops when the sun goes down, um, which if you've been in the Southern Hemisphere around that time of year, you know you, you're probably working until about 9 o'clock at night. Oh, yeah. Um, and and then the second day continues, and then it's it's sweet. Have a look at the lights, um, but it's it's a weird it's a weird thing, isn't it? Like there's, there's like don't get me wrong, I love having Christmas and having the the break and the, the time off in the summertime. I think it's fantastic. House, you get to do more things, you know, like the not being actually trapped inside your house. With, that would that would do my absolute head in. You know, you imagine if the weather's packing and it's snowing outside, like cabin fever would set in a wee bit. You know, if you're cramming like 20, 30 people into one house on a day, you're probably going to need to drink and eat so much that you need to sleep just to avoid, avoid like turning on each other. Oh, uh, absolutely <laughs> forget it. <laughs> it's yeah. But, you know, like you, you think about you, the, like, because what would, what would a, a Christmas, Christmas Day look like for you? Um, Christmas Day is um, wake up. Usually it'll be just me at my mum's house for like the whole wake up thing. So we'll wake up, give each other our presents. Then we go to wherever the family is congregating. Um, yep. And then it's like a long lunch. If we want to get into the nitty gritty, there's always someone that is saying that they, um, would like to do a different job. They don't like the job that yep. they're doing. Um, there's someone else that manages to bring every conversation back to um, money and how much they earn in a year. Um, there's, a, <laughs> there's one of my um, family members who was a former politician, so there's a, um, always some discussion around um, politics in some sense, and then it usually ends with everyone talking about how they've eaten too much and trying to go to sleep. But somewhere like in the yep. middle of that is like this very good kind of everyone's just relaxed and chilled and having a bit of a yarn, um, and then everyone kind of goes their separate ways and has leftovers for dinner and just kind of veges out. That's a typical Christmas. Yeah, well, I mean, like, is there any – because I – don't get me wrong. I love, I love like roasting food. Love it. I think it's one of the best ways to, to make food. Put it in the oven, coat it in either butter, fat, oil, and just let it cook in its own juices. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. However, you know, if you've got like a, a 28 degree day, is, is that really what you want to be eating in the middle of the day? 
Um, my, yeah, no, basically. Um, a really good discovery that my family kind of made, and it hasn't been a constant, but it was, a re- it was really good while it lasted, is um, my mum would make baked salmon instead of ham. <gasps> and that, Ooh, that, good call. Yeah, and it's just like, I mean, it's still baked, so it's still, but there's just something so much like a summary about having like, some good baked salmon yep. instead of just you know like typical ham chicken vibe so i'm a big fan of that also on a side note real big fan of cherry tomatoes oh yep yep, yep. big cherry tomato fan um big pesto fan love pesto yeah um also here's a curveball really um big alcoholic ginger beer fan Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind. Um, okay, well, I don't know about don't mind, but this transition just happened one time where I went from, ooh, who would mix water and alcohol? But now I can quite happily have soda water and vodka, and that's the best thing. It's great. It's fantastic. And I don't, and it's not fantastic for a drink that is just water and alcohol. It's like actual high priority oh okay i'm yeah. segueing a little bit do you know how cheap limes are here i can imagine um very cheap okay let me put it this way someone that i work with has a lime tree and brings in every single week about a 10 liter bucket of limes and just puts them on the table and they don't even go often within the full week because it's like fijoers everyone has limes everywhere <laughs> That just upsets me. Also, when I talk, like I, I think people are actually sick of me fucking talking about limes because every time there are limes there, I just get real preachy about it. And I'm like, do you appreciate this resource? Yeah. I, I my last Christmas, I spent the day before trying to find limes in Wellington, yeah. and I couldn't. I couldn't find a single lime in Wellington. Yeah, like that gold. The little green balls of gold. Oh yeah. Um. Okay. Is it is it a bad thing that when you said that you're into alcoholic ginger beer, I was just like, oh, that that could be a really good mixer. No, it's not at all because you're correct, and the best thing to mix it with is forty two below Fijoa. Fijoas are just a North Island thing. I was, I would have been about 25 when I had my first Fiji. Well, this conversation's been great. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> uh, no, do you know what? No one in Australia knows what a fucking Fiji is. Really? Like, Can you get them there? No. And like, that isn't a fun, you know, that isn't just something I'm saying as like a cool, fun note to put in the podcast. Truly, I have not met a single person who has grown up here and currently, like, still lives here that even knows or has heard of a Fijoa. I can understand that. Yeah, and that just blows my mind. Because for me, it's like, you don't, I don't know anyone who grew up with their own apple tree. I'm sure that I do. Like, I don't know anyone who said it. But I know... I also don't know anyone who didn't grow up with their own feto a tree. Like, it's just... Okay. So you enjoy the taste of feto Honestly, I'm kind of sick of it. I'm kind of over it. But, like, 
Um, but, you know, if I was experiencing it for the first time, yeah, it'd be fine. <laughs> You're really doing a good job of selling yeah. them. Oh, no, I've kind of said that. People are like, oh, well, I really have to try them. And I'm like, oh, you don't have to try them. I'm just surprised you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> I know. In all honesty, I think that's probably the best thing to, to say to anyone when they're going to try something is actually not overhyping it. Yeah. You know, because there's nothing worse than when someone goes like, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is so delicious. This is so delicious. You have to try it. Because then all of a sudden people's expectations are way too high. Yeah. And they think that this is going to be like some revolutionary thing that they didn't know how they're living with before. Um, and then all of a sudden they'll taste it and then they'll just be like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a thing. Oh, yeah. And you've never had feelings shattered quite as abruptly as in that moment when you've yeah. just had all of your hype man abilities um, thrown back in your face. Yeah. like Or the, the same thing with a movie when someone's just like, oh, no, you have to watch the movie. Oh, my God, it's so good. It's so good. And then you get to the end of it, you're like, just lost two hours of my life. Yeah. Yeah. I am... Um, I am frequently disappointed by recommendations um, <laughs> and as a result, like go out of my way to not act on them immediately because I don't want them to get yeah. But then I also um, am frequently disappointed by, um, sorry, disappointed by other people's reactions to my uh, recommendations. So yeah. it's very universal in that sense. Um before we, I think eventually we should probably bring it to a round wrap up. But yeah, on a scale of one to ten, how possible is it that uh, aliens built the pyramids? Um, statistically, there is a chance. Like, I think there's a chance that sentient dogs built it before they decided to leave the planet as well. Um, oh, is that because the Sphinx isn't actually a lion, it's a jackal? No, no, I'm just, I was just trying to pull out an, another arbitrary thing that you could apply that would also be statistically viable. Well, um, I, 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 don't, I don't believe that they did. However, there is a chance that they may have. Um, in the same way that there is a chance that there is, you know, aliens observing us right now however if you think of if you think of you know big bang is a like a 12 hour period on a clock big bang happened and then you go all the way through the the sort of the the time it took for the dust and to settle from the explosion large lumps of it to cause enough gravity to start pulling stuff in together to form planets those planets to out of all the planets that were formed around stars that would have life on them, you know, you, you statistically you're getting smaller and smaller and you're looking at the last like couple of seconds of that 12 hour clock, you have living beings on, the, on, uh, in the universe. Um, you know, that's, that's the, the sort of scale to show how late in the formation of the universe has sort of sentient life existed. And then add into this, the statistical probability of, Okay, aliens existed on another planet. They were so advanced that they were able to develop into into like intergalactic travel. They came to our planet specifically, built 
a specific structure or a couple of structures and then decided to leave. Hmm. Like I'm saying, it could have happened, but it, it sounds more like if it was to happen, I think it'd be the type of thing where a whole bunch of aliens broke a law that they had that said they weren't allowed to go to other planets. Um, and they did it for like a stag do. And they thought it'd be real funny. And then one of them got real drunk. It was just like, let's, let's use their technology to put all these rocks into a pile. And then everyone else was like, you're really drunk. And he's just like, I've got one night free. I've got one night free before I'm married for the rest of the, my life. Let me have this, guys. Just let me have this. <laughs> So that's the situation where I think it could have happened. All right. Well, I think you might be on something there. Okay, a couple of things. Have you thought about the fact that if time travel is ever invented, yeah, that it's that it's happening right now? Oh, okay. I have definitely have the fun thought of wondering as I'm walking around if you've ever made eye contact with someone and they like linger a little bit too long in a weird way Mm -hmm. just asking myself like there's this weird thought that goes through my mind being like are they a distant relative of mine who's come back in time because they wanted to see like their great 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 you know grandfather and I'm like actually you know hang on let's let's not be that narcissistic (laughs) you know like that's 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 thinking quite highly of yourself um if time travel was to exist, I'm a, I'm of the mindset that if time travel was to exist, it will there'll be a point where the technology is developed. Mm. And then so let's say that on a day in twenty twenty five, uh time travel is developed. However, the machine that or the technology that will allow you to do so will create a fixed point that people can only go back into the day of its first inception. Oh, so there, I'm a belief that there may be a technology in the future that will happen, and then the moment that it does, a door is going to be opened up, and then people are going to come through being like, "You guys need to stop this machine because everything's going to get fucked up." Yeah, that's true. Um, but it would it would be it would be really fun. I just, from my limited understanding, I think, uh, yeah, if it. If it was to happen, it would need to happen in a fixed point through some technology that would be formed. Mm. And, um, oh, my God, I completely went to go say something and I completely forgot what it was. Maybe that's just the universe correcting what I was going to say. Okay, no. What was it? It's on the edge of my brain. Hmm. Do you think time travel people floating around is a thing? Oh. I remembered what it was and it's kind of related to that. So first of all, time travel would be a nightmare because I feel like there are infinite possibilities. I'm also the kind of person that if I was ever granted three wishes, yeah, would be like, okay, wow. Because, you know, like if, if I said, oh, I wish I was rich, then that is, you know, that is such an incomplete wish because at what yep. cost? As am I going to wish that, and then am I going to get all the money in the world given to me? And does that mean that literally everyone else on the planet is going to be living in poverty because I've taken every last dollar through an incomplete uh-huh. wish? Like that's how terrifying it is. So honestly, I think my first wish, if I had three wishes, would be I wish that like 
every wish that I make after this goes in the most universally like positive light. But even then, like, what is universal positive light? Is that, you know, quote unquote, greater good, which is fucking terrifying? Or is that perfect? Anyway, okay, let's go back. Do I think time time travel exists? Again, I'm not going to rule it out completely, but no. But if it does, then I've always felt like it would exist now. And I feel like it's so problematic that I wouldn't go anywhere near it unless I absolutely had to. Um, yeah. But did you ever have a Bebo account? Yes. Do you know something crazy? Is that there was one day when you logged out of your Bebo account for the last time and you didn't even know it. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, some people you've also you've also had the last interaction you ever have with them as well. Yeah, and didn't even know it. Um, okay, I'm gonna. I'm now thinking about all of the. Are you familiar with like you know the shower thoughts thing where people like start yep. thinking about all the things that they think about like when they're in the shower and then it's turned into like. Reddit forums and it's just a whole rabbit hole that's very yep. tempting to go down but I don't think we have another like four hours for a podcast so how about mm-hmm. um, if you ever choose to return to the 3am podcast we can tackle shower thoughts on that episode <laughs> yeah I'd love to fantastic well um, I because it's almost like 11 o'clock there right some it, it is some time in the evening, yes. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll, we'll let you get back to your um, regular lifetime, um, I suppose, activities. But before we do, to the three or four people that are listening, is there anything you want to, like, promote or plug or any messages you want to leave with people or anything, I suppose, like your final words? No... No, not yet. Uh, I think this was because this was just me wanting to to meet a a stranger, um, and I feel like I know more about you than I did when I started. But I feel like there's also a, a lot to still learn, um, and yeah, I'll talk to you at another time. Sounds fabulous. Um, do you have an Instagram you want anyone to follow? Do you have like a paper you want anyone to read? Do you have a childhood achievement you want anyone to be aware of? Um, not right now. No. Okay. I right. feel like I, I probably need to probably need to get an Instagram before I try and plug something. Okay. All right. Well, I'll leave you to brainstorm that. But yep. other than that, yeah, absolutely. Um, so this was a 3 a.m. podcast with a complete stranger. Learned your name, which was Tick 1. Had a couple of therapy sessions in there, which is Ticks 2 through 18. Um, and then Tick 19 was bookmarking a future conversation to discuss shower thoughts and also your upcoming Instagram fame. I, I'm i now feeling the pressure of actually getting a decent Instagram going. Oh, absolutely. And please do not even consider returning if you have less than 100,000 followers. Um, okay. We need that. We need that um, clout, as the kids would say. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring a salty train of, of ex- expecting Instagram followers next time. Yes, absolutely. Please do. <laughs>
All right. Well, um, say hello and goodbye to um, Sarah and thanks again for the yarns. And that's all. All right. Catch you later. So that was basically, um, yeah, the 3am podcast um, with a complete stranger. So that is good. By the way, if you download the Anchor app, if you want to be part of these podcasts at all, then download the Anchor app, add Jesso Bella. Um, that's me. Um, and you can actually send in like voice messages and stuff anyway, so please feel free to do so. Um, also follow us on at the 3am podcast, all one word, um, on Instagram and yeah, also on Facebook, there's a page, the 3am podcast. Um, but mainly just let me know if you want to be part of one of these and let's just make it happen, y'all. Yes. Okay, well, live your best dreams. Hope you enjoyed. This is long enough, so I won't drag it out. Um, but thanks for listening. Bye.